Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are in this amazing country of ours. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Morning, good morning, Lyle. Morning, morning. How are you this morning? Yeah, I am not half bad. I am looking forward to tomorrow. Well, actually, today is tomorrow because... Today is tomorrow? Oh, yes, okay. I was like, what are you talking about? Well, we're, then we're, I remembered, this we're is the delayed broadcast. It might be tomorrow, it might be next week, who knows? Well, true, but we are recording this on a Thursday, and I'm guessing that it might broadcast on a Friday. And if so, I'm happy it's Friday because I'm looking forward to heading up to Big Camp. Absolutely, let's bring it on. And have you seen the weather outside? It is really, really lovely. It is gorgeous. Really lovely. So yeah. if you're anywhere within the cooey of Stewart's Point, make sure you get along and come to some of the amazing meetings, um, probably the biggest Christian convention taking place in New South Wales. What are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? Breaks. Please explain. Breaks. Definitely definitely grateful for breaks this morning. You know that we're going on to camp. We're not actually getting a break from work. You realise we still have to keep working, right? Not those no kind breaks. of breaks. Because those I, are the I, kind I, of breaks that I'm grateful for. I am grateful for those kind of breaks. My truck now has better breaks than it had before. Oh, yeah? So my truck was built in 1961 when breaks were a kind of afterthought vague <laughs> recommendation kind of thing like maybe this could not be quite sure idea. why you would want to slow down but we'll put these on anyway just so that you have this um, kind of sense of security you've got somewhere to put your uh, your foot when you want to slow down that's about uh-huh. pretty much the main uh-huh. reason why they're there so crazy and so last night i put brakes off a much bigger truck on there and now i have brakes that they were about 5% as good as my car brakes. Now they're about 25% as good. So now you have the ability to stop a giant truck hurtling down the freeway. Kind of. I think everybody kind should of, be grateful for this. Kind of stop a giant truck hurtling down the hur- the highway. <laughs> I'm very grateful for I this. Now I now have the ability to slow it down significantly. And I think if Whereas other motorists past, knew how close they'd come, I think they'd be grateful too for your truck having brakes. In the car past, there has been a couple of times when I've broken out in a cold sweat and had both feet on that brake pedal and heaving back on the steering wheel as hard as I can and praying that it pulled up and it did. <laughs> I'm never getting in that truck. Okay. <laughs> If you would like to listen to the live show, which we highly recommend that you do, because uh, you can win the quiz, you can get the giveaway at the end of the show, uh, jump across, uh, just go to your app store or your Play Store and download the TuneIn app, get the free version, look for Faith FM Australia, or you can go to our website, which is faithfm.com.au, where you can also just press play on the live stream, or best of all, call 1-800-FAITH-FM and pester us to put the live broadcast in your area.
With Savannah Ellis with Love You Never Let Me Go here on Faith FM. And Mon, what have we got for the first clue for our quiz today? Okay, so today I want to talk about the prize first. We have an awesome book by Stephen Bohr. It's called Prophecies, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, it's a really interesting book. Um, it's about, well, you'll never guess. Prophecy, <laughs> and um, and this was written by. Have you ever heard uh, Pastor Stephen Ball speak? Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, he's yeah, phenomenal yeah. speaker. Uh, I had the pleasure of hearing him speak in America. Actually, um, actually, I was, do you know what? I was part of the media team, and we were recording him, and I was um, uh, on one of the cameras, and in the middle of Pastor Ball's um, sermon, would you believe a snake came into the tent? And it started going from the, from the back door <laughs> straight for the altar, straight for the front of the <laughs> where the pulpit was, and just leaving this like wake of screaming women as <laughs> it made its way under the chairs and under their feet. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Was it what what kind of snake was it? The green snake? I'm hoping. Uh, this was in uh, California, and it, okay. I, just remember, I just remember it being stripy, which is never a good sign with a snake. It's the more colourful, the more dangerous usually. And uh, and so I was like, oh no. Um, and then some guy just like stood up, grabbed the thing, and just took it outside. Like, it was a stick and then just chucked it but not before it had tried to worm its way into some poor woman's handbag for shelter (laughs) (laughs) as you would do if you were a snake if some big dude was after me I'd be going for the nearest possible place I could hide yeah I mean I was just saying I was just telling people look that snake was just responding to the altar call why don't we chuck him out (laughs) this is not what we usually do with people who want to come to the front okay so today's quiz is a what city am I quiz we did a what city am I yesterday and we're doing another one today because we quite enjoy the geographical ones so the first clue is this the book of Nahum is a prophecy about this city Mm. If you know what the answer is, give us a call. Our number, of course, is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. And if you get the answer right, you can pick up a copy of Stephen Bohr's book, Prophecies, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. There you go. You know what the number is, guys? Get ready to call. Okay. Lyle, you're yes. so distracted right now. I am you? very distracted. I I you, am, are you really I'm, excited I'm, about sharing your news to you? I, I, I am very excited about sharing my news. I'm, I'm super excited about our interview. We have a celebrity coming on. Aren't they all celebrities, Lyle? <laughs> Everybody is a celebrity. This is true. But this one is a uh, yeah, anyway. Neville mm. Peters is coming on, and uh, yeah, so I'm kind of excited about that. It's going to be cool. very cool. So you like his music, do you? Everybody likes Neville Peters' music. What are you talking about? True. It's a good. Is he coming into the studio or just on the phone? Uh, he'll be on the phone. Oh, darn it. I could have gotten an autograph. I've got some really cool news for you, Lyle. Yes. Coming out of New Zealand. Okay. You for know, all of our Kiwi friends. Yes. I'm sure you're from, uh, familiar with the Kakapau. I think that's like a bird, is it? Yeah, one of the world's most intelligent birds. Also happens to be one of the rarest birds on the planet because of its... Um, it lives on an island somewhere off the South Island. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember where it lives. An island off an island? But there's only like 145 of them left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and um, it's actually a parrot. It's actually the world. Well, maybe it lives in. Uh, does it live in a valley in, in, um, in the the famous sound down there somewhere? Milford Sound. Milford Sound. I'm not. I'm not sure. Where it Either lives. lives in a valley there. Or it lives on. I think they live on an island off the island. And I think the only reason they would live on that one little location is because there's so few of them. Did you yeah, realize all they're of almost the stoats and the weasels and the feral cats and everything have wiped them out? Yeah, they need to get rid of that. They actually thought that they were extinct until they found... Oh, here we go. Uh, they thought they were extinct for a long time, and then they found a small population on um, uh, an island south of the country's mainland in 1970. 
there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then over the course of the following decades, um, the population increased incrementally. Like they started off with 18 birds in 77 by that time to 50 birds in the mid 1990s. So, Kakapau, it's actually the world's fattest parrot. Oh, okay. And it's the world. How, how many have we got now? Did you just 150? I'm going to tell you in a second. Okay, okay. But they're actually the only flightless species of parrot. They're about this big, so they're about the size of a torso. Your yeah. Torso. And um, and when you say this big and you hold your hands apart, Mon? I'm doing that for your benefit, but I said torso for the or listeners' benefit, <laughs> okay, Lyle. All right. A attention. human torso yeah. we're talking about. A human torso, yeah. It's yeah. a decent sized parrot. It is, it is, it is. It's kind of like. a bit of a fatso. And he's so cute, though. He's so cute. As you chubby parrot he's so cute and they wiggle it's adorable i love it it's like a it's like a it's like a parrot that looks a bit like a penguin okay Just so imagine this was that. this was um this was god's sense of humor uh, most definitely this is a thing right kakapows only breed every two to four years Ooh. and it's in conjunction with a tree so there's a tree called a rimu tree and it produces fruit in what's known as its mast year and uh when the tree uh fruits the kakapows breed. Okay. Yeah. So the, uh, I think the correlation is food or something. I don't know. But they have a sense of it. And um, and I just want to tell you, this is so great. So in 2016, uh, in the last, which was the last mast year, they had a record 34 birds added to the population, which is amazing. However, this month, April 2019, scientists are absolutely de- delighted to announce the arrival of 76 new chicks. Oh, wow. More than double the last hatchings. Um, and they're just, they're just beside themselves. They have a, uh, the Department of Conservation over there in, in Kiwiland has a Kakapau recovery program. And, um, <laughs> they said in the last two seasons, there has been huge quantities of fruit not seen in for 50 years. So that's why all the female Kakapau know it's time to breed and actually started much earlier than usual, meaning that some have had the ability to nest twice this season. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So it's really cool. It's really, really cool. And, um, so what's their total now? Uh, 147. There you go. Yeah. That's a long way up from 18. It's a huge jump up from 18. And they're so adorable. Um, They have a temporary hand-rearing facility uh, in Invercargill to uh, help care for this season's most vulnerable chicks. Um, It actually provides a a rare opportunity for people to see a kakapau. um, Because usually, like, can you imagine? There's only 147. They they wouldn't let you on that island in a hurry, would they? You'd have to. So So much paperwork to get on that island, I bet. And, uh, and of course, with all the remove fruit available, the chicks are just thriving on the islands this year. And, uh, and it's the first time in, in humans' memory that they've been able to put three chicks in one nest. So they're really, they're really happy about it. The little chicks are these little white fluffy things with little blue, bluey black eyes. They're so adorable. Sorry, I'm just like, it's unusual to, it's unusual to say that, use, use the word adorable in reference to baby birds. Yeah. What do you mean, baby? Oh, yeah. I guess when they're like, baby you know, yeah. Just- so this is, I'm showing Lyle a video of a kakapau <laughs> sitting like a grown kakapau and he's sitting on someone's arm and he does look like a green penguin doesn't he and then he's just <laughs> wiggling his little body back and forth he's so cute but yeah this is great because you know often uh, we just hear about stuff going extinct we don't often hear about things coming back from the brink of extinction so uh-huh. yeah, 18 is pretty close to the brink yeah exactly so especially for something that doesn't seem to reproduce that often uh, Lyle another piece of good news that I'm really excited about I didn't know this because I'm not a huge sport spectator, um, but I didn't realize that in pretty much every single sport, professional sport around the world, 
they have like the prize money for the men and then they have the prize money for the women's category, right? Mm-hmm. And the prize money for the women's category is often just half mm-hmm. of the amount of the men's, which is ridiculous because the women have to spend just as much time training, just as much time conditioning, just as much effort to become athletes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's ridiculous. Why are they getting half the amount? You want to know why? Don't tell me. Well, no, go on. No, I'm not going <laughs> to... Go on. <laughs> you, you say your piece. You say your piece. Okay. And... um. Surfing has become the first and only US-based global sports league to now require equal pay for its female and well, male athletes. Yep. Absolutely. So this is just incredible. So they're now they're now having equal pay. So uh, there's a recent surfing competition, uh, World Surf League's Champion Tour, um, where they were offering a hundred thousand dollars prize for the for the men's category and they were offering fifty thousand dollars for the women. It's now $100,000 for both, and uh, which is great. 17-year-old Carolyn Marks became the first woman to win the $100,000 prize. You would think. You would think that in 2019, we yeah. would have solved this one, you know, 50 years ago. So why do you think that in, in athletics, women are paid less than men when they both put in the same amount of work? It's based on the amount of uh, income that can be generated um, by the sport itself. But you don't think that women athletes aren't used, uh, you know, like to promote to bot to sell and to promote. Like, look at Kathy Freeman. You know how often she's been used to sell what is it, Omega and pearls and jewelry and all that kind of stuff. This is one of the challenges of capitalism. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to the dollar. You reckon? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. I, I've seen plenty of female athletes being used to promote and to sell. Absolutely. And it comes down to how much uh, it comes. It all comes down to um, RTIs. You see, you reckon that their promotions aren't I mean, selling you, you as think much about, stuff you as the You think about it. You, you, you think about all of the big sports codes that we have in Australia. They're all dominated by men. Sports codes. Yeah, like you know your football codes and you know, oh, you know, right. cricket and so forth. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, women's versions of them. But how many people are paying the money to support? the women's versions of, you know, football, soccer, rugby, cricket, etc. And that's that's what it comes down to. It, it, this is a financial um, reality that, you know, we as Australians need to get out there and we need to support women's sport because it's as we support women's sport that we actually create equality uh, in the way that women get paid. I reckon there might be a discrepancy here that I'm not aware of. I'm, I'm, I would like to see the numbers in regards to women promoting products and whether they sell as much as a male promoting, uh, male athletes promoting products. Give us a call if you want to weigh in on this and maybe enlighten us a bit further as to why on earth women athletes are getting paid less than male athletes. Regardless, the solution is to get out there and support women's sport. Yeah, or just stop supporting men's sport. <laughs> Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FAN. Give us a call if you want to weigh in on this one. Uh, 1-800-324-843. In the meantime, this is Anna Weatherup with People Get Ready. People get ready. There's a train of karma. Oh, people 
Guys, that was Anna Weather up with People Get Ready here on Faith FM. And we have already had three people have a crack at this quiz and no one has got it right yet. Yes, people are calling up. No one's getting it right. I'm <laughs> very excited about this. And I didn't okay. even hear what the question was, so I have no idea what the quiz is about. I was getting... Lyle, 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 the only thing for you to do is I to was go... To, I can't multitask. Grab right? your phone. We were just talking about multitasking. I was focused. Yeah, but you were focused on the wrong thing. I think that's the point you want to make. No, I was focused on... Mm, that's yeah. right. That's right on the wrong thing. Yeah, the what right you thing. need to do, if you missed the quiz, the, the clue quiz, the quiz clue, jump on your phone, grab uh, Instagram, open up Instagram, and go to the Insta story for Faith FM Live. That's our handle, Faith FM Live, all lowercase, one word. And you can watch our Insta story where you can see our clues, which I'm putting up as we speak. So, what city am I? The next clue is this. The men of this city will stand at the judgment and condemn Jesus' generation for their lack of repentance. Ooh la la. If you're in the answer to that, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. That's 1-800-324-843. Lyle doesn't even have it correct. Ah. Lyle is writing down the wrong answers. He's got no idea what he's on about. I'm so happy about this. Give us well, a least, call at least quick. I know, at least I now know what the right answer is. No, you don't. Give us a call quick. If you can get it right before Lyle does, I will give you not only the prize, Prophecies Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Stephen Ball. I will also give you a second prize because Lyle doesn't know the answer. I'll give you a copy of Nature's Superfoods. Yes. All right. Start calling in, guys. You know what our number is. one 800 Lyle does not know the answer, no matter what he Two tells you. coming your way. He doesn't know the answer. Okay, Lyle doesn't so, know the answer. Um, the World Cancer Research Fund, in conjunction with the International Journal of uh, Epidemiology, has just brought out some news research in relationship to Britain's guidelines for healthy eating. So you oh, know how you know how every different country has uh, <laughs> yep. has the has the pyramid. Mm-hmm. You've got all got the food pyramid, right? That changes so much, and it's always changing. Well, they've brought out some new guidelines right here, and they've now found that people who stick to the guidelines have an increase, increased bowel cancer of one-fifth. 
this is the thing, right? They always bring out these pyramids and they're always laughable. And the reason being is that ham, bacon, salami and red meat are too high on the pyramid. They shouldn't even be on the pyramid. Okay, this is agreed. However, um, in a uh, in a society that eats a lot of ham, bacon, salami and red meat, I guess they are looking for ways to encourage people to eat less, but now they've found they need no. to encourage them to eat a lot less. So this was a study conducted uh, 475,000 odd people um, aged between 40 and 70 um, over nearly a six-year period, just under six years, and they found that if you ate 76 grams per day of ham, bacon, or salami, right, mm-hmm. you had a 20% higher risk of cancer compared to if you ate 21 grams of ham, bacon, and salami per day. I just want to say something, Lyle. Mm-hmm. I just want to say something. I think, you know... I. <sighs> Separate to what? Rand is separate to what the you can hear it in the voice, can't you? (laughs) It's coming. Separate to what the ideal might be. Monster has been released, and the ideal would be that we get to trust and believe that our government means the best for us and isn't in any way corrupt. That would be obviously the ideal, but it's not the reality. The reality is that. Any dietary advice coming from any government body should just be immediately thrown in the bin. You can never trust what a government suggests because governments are being bribed. Governments are, are more invested in... Uh, keep going, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> stoking me. They're not, they're, not, they're not without... You know, they're not just focused primarily on people's health. They're also thinking about the scope of, oh, but what happens to the pig farmers and what happens to you know, the meat votes. industry? They're focused on votes. Yeah, they're, they're focused on industry, they're focused on money, they're focused on votes. They're not just focused on health. If you want genuine health advice, you need to you need to listen to someone or some entity that is actually just focused on health, which a government body is never, ever, 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 ever going to be. All you need to do is watch basically any documentary about health or food, and you can see when they clearly line out you know, how many people who are in positions of government that are also in positions within the food industry that they should never be able to hold those two positions simultaneously. Seriously, if you're a kid on school holidays right now and in your classroom there's a school, there's a pyramid, some sort of food pyramid on the back of the school door, like literally just ignore it. It's going to be nonsense. Just ignore it. So food pyramids you, you, you can yet, just... Yeah, okay, I'm okay. fine. <laughs> the, fine. The monster is back in her cage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, except that. The body putting out this research uh-huh. is a government body. That's what I'm saying. They should- and it's putting out good research that is showing that you should eat a lot less or no yeah. red meat, ham, bacon, or salami. I think it's interesting that it, it, it specifically focuses in on ham, bacon, and salami as the um, as the really nasty ones. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Bible said that, like, what, how many, three and a half thousand years ago? And that's how long it's taken for the UK government to catch yeah, on. Well, that's what I'm saying. UK that's exactly what I'm saying. Up. All right, but they have caught up, and this is a good thing. So this is a positive no. They thing. haven't completely caught up because they yeah, just recommend true. that you eat less, and they're yeah. not recommend that you eat. They still recommend that you eat other types of meat, aren't they? Okay, so red meat. Um, if you eat fifty four grams of red meat um, per week, you have a nineteen percent uh, chance, higher chance of getting bowel cancer 
than if you eat just eight grams. Now, I'm just trying to figure out, can one of you ladies who cooks in this in this room just tell yes. me how big of a piece of meat eight grams would be? I mean, is it even eight grams? worth... Eight grams? Eight grams? Is it worthwhile even eating eight that's grams? literally like that's not even a mouthful. It's like a spoonful, right? It's not right? even a mouthful. Yeah, it would be like a teaspoon. And this is what they say. This is how much, this is how much red meat it's safe to eat um, per week. A teaspoon of meat? Per day, sorry, per day. That's Do you know what? You couldn't even buy a cut of meat from the supermarket. <laughs> It, that wouldn't go off if you could only eat it at eight gram okay, chunks. And a day. one of the reasons they're looking at this, of course, is that one in fifteen men uh, suffer from bowel cancer. One in eighteen women suffer from bowel, bowel cancer in their life. So this is a huge issue. This is a massive issue, and I think we've probably all known people with bowel cancer, and it mm-hmm. is one of the most horrific ways to die that there is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and of course, on that basis, they've said you know eight grams, which means that you should not eat meat more than twice a week. And, of course, here on Faith FM, we promote a plant-based diet. Yes, and we're not being bribed and we're not involved in any sort of industry. We're just interested in your health. Absolutely. And, uh, of course, they, they wanted to find out, you know, what was the, what was the tipping point where you suddenly had this uh, sharp up, uh, up, uh, increase. Uptake, increase and the tipping point comes in at about 25 grams per day. Wow. So twenty five grams is what uh, three, four teaspoons full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like nothing. That's like that's nothing. where you get that's where you get that the would sharp be a increase. mouthful. That would be a yeah. Mouthful. So basically, what you've got is another form of smoking here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so they're trying to encourage things like uh, they're really getting behind the meat free Monday, and they're recommending that we replace meat altogether with beans and lentils. This is uh, Dr. Julie Sharp from the Cancer Research UK. Oh wow, cancer so, research um, finally saying something about it. You, you, you're really on a uh, on a roll this morning. Well, I'm just staggered because you know you, you see in the news all the time. Oh, three hundred million dollars has been donated to cancer, for, you know, research. It's amazing. We're going to cure cancer. Cancer's been cured. It's called a plant based diet. That's the. We don't need to throw any more yeah, money. Okay, at so that. there are other environmental factors, like um, you know. Sure, but most of them can be counteracted through a plant based diet because is, when you feed your body true. what it needs, it can true. heal itself. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Moving on, we should uh, continue talking about shells uh, <laughs> out there. Like, go on, Our producer, <laughs> give it to on. them, <laughs> stick it to them this morning. And I should mention that that does not mean mean that we in any way, shape, or form support people who sit down in the middle of the road to protest about animal yeah, rights. They're all giving us right. a us who put, who who support a plant based diet. They're all giving us a, a bad, bad name, name. And, mm-hmm. and and making life hard for all of the rest of us. But you, you sh- I should reiterate that if you are going to be taking health advice, you should always you know take interest enough to try and find out where the advice comes from. Where is this study coming from? Who's funded this research? Who's funded this study? And then maybe you know. Be a bit smarter about what advice you take. Yeah. Okay. So they're rebuilding the uh, Notre Dame Cathedral, and it's um, interesting to you know we, we mentioned this yesterday, but mm-hmm. um, you know the alternatives of what could be done with that building, and uh, you know turning into a, an 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 edifice, an example for um, creating a massive amount of good in the world, and you know. We were having an interesting discussion here this morning about it because it was just, um, you know, it's a beautiful piece of art and mm-hmm. art is important and, yeah. you know, it's going to create, imagine how many jobs and help so many people out just by building it. But, you know, there's other Culture ways. Culture, tourism. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's 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 various views on that one as well. But uh, but we're not the only people who have noticed that there's a lot of money going to something that isn't actually alive. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it will be helping the world in other ways. I, I think there's two sides to this story, and we should uh, dig into it in more detail at another time when we have a little bit more time. But right now, we have Neville Peter who, with Who Shall Be Able to Stand? And right after that, uh, we himself. will have the man himself. Woo. Welcome back, guys. That was Neville Peter, Peter with uh, Where I Want to... Uh, 
with Who Shall Be Able to Stand. I'll get the right song here in a minute. <laughs> There's so many good ones, though. That's, that's a pick. <laughs> where I Want to Be is the one that's coming up at the end of this interview. But before we uh, go across to Neville, um, Mon. One more clue for our tricky, tricky quiz that everyone is trying to win this morning. Uh, so our third clue for the... Nobody's got it yet, do they? No one's got it yet. So the third clue for this What City Am I quiz is the population of this city was more than 12... Thousand people, so 120,000 people. That's one, two, followed by four zeros. The population of this city was more than 120,000 people. Lyle has it correct, but you can still win the prize. It's a wonderful copy of Prophecies, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Stephen Bohr. Joining us uh, on the phone this morning is none other than Neville Peter. Now, if you have not come across Neville Peter before, um, he is a musician. He has written over 100 gospel songs. Um, he shared the stage with people like uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes, Gladys Knight, Donnie uh, McClurkin, Yolanda Adams, Natalie Cole, Shirley Caesar, Richard Smallwood, Kurt Carr. This just goes on and on. And on and on. He's performed at the White House, Carnegie Hall, etc. Neville, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's, Good to uh, be here. Oh, fantastic! And it's 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 uh, it's a privilege for us to have uh, somebody with um, with your level of achievement here on Faith FM. Um, now, I noticed some of the, uh, the the very famous places that you have performed here. Have you ever have you ever played in, here in Australia in our Sydney Opera House? I was wondering. That that's on my to do list. Okay, all right, all right. So not this tour, maybe the next tour we will uh, get you in the Sydney Opera House. Maybe, yeah, hopefully. That would be fantastic. Now, Neville, I'm just wondering as we get started today, just to uh, to introduce you and uh, who you are, where you come from and so forth, um, whereabouts are you originally from? I'm originally from the U.S. Virgin Islands in the oh, wow. Caribbean. Uh, St. Thomas, to be exact. I know you obviously say Caribbean. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but we say Caribbean. Ah. And that is in the Atlantic Ocean, all the way on the other side of the world. See, well, I just um, want to interject and say, been there. Oh, it's mon- beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes, you come from a beautiful place, right. Neville. I, I would love to go back there any day. Oh, wow, you've been there. Yeah, St. Thomas was incredible. One of the best swims of my life was there. It was really, really lovely. Yeah, okay, it's so, a nice island. So, so, Neville, I'm going to ask a question that uh, people who are not familiar with you and your ministry might think, why is he asking this question? But you grew up on St. Thomas. Have you ever seen St. Thomas? Um, parts of it, yes. Mm-hmm. Um I I uh, was diagnosed with glaucoma at, a, at about age six months, but glaucoma takes away your eyesight very, very slowly. So um, I had an opportunity to be able to see, and I do know what the island, well, at least I don't know what it looks like now because that was a long time ago, sure. but I have vivid memories of the beach, which are some of the best beaches in the world. Mm. Uh, um, I, I think your friend there might agree. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. In fact, if you could only see one place on earth, you've done really well being able to see St. Thomas, trust me. <laughs> it's very um, Yes, yeah, so I do have vivid memories of what that looks like. Um, and it's very developed and urban now, but when I was growing up, there was a lot of greenery and... Uh, it's just a really beautiful uh, 
memories of seeing the place. In fact, one of the last memories I remember of having sight was a very fiery red sunset. The light was just, it was just amazing. The, the sky was lit up in this fiery orange red color and uh, it was one of the last things I remember seeing. It was absolutely beautiful. How old would you have been then? Perhaps somewhere between the ages of 10 and 12, somewhere. And so between the age of 10 and 12, so you said you were diagnosed with glaucoma at six months. That's incredibly young. And by 10, 12 years old, you've lost 100% of your sight? About then, yeah. Yeah, Mm. it's very slow-moving disease. It doesn't... um, take away your eyesight quickly at all so that was the blessing for me i guess i had an opportunity to plan for the inevitable Mm. did you go through uh i suppose a time of depression uh once it actually did finally take your sight no not really you know um one of the things that i think most people don't realize is that um any kind of disability um, is is not really that difficult to adapt to because I believe God made us adaptable creatures. Um, the the difficult part of it, though, has to do with social um, interaction and you know to to be sort of belong. You know, it's it's when you have a disability, it's a lot more difficult to associate with people because people don't really understand understand it or understand you. And so that was the more difficult part for me, especially because, you know, when I completely lost my sight, I was in those sensitive years, uh, like, you know, I was a teenager or just heading into to adolescence and... Yeah, so that that part of it was was a lot more difficult to navigate than the actual blindness itself. Mm. Neville, can I just ask? Um, you know, you you, you 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 losing your sight and 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 going through this experience, and then moving into the music industry, and we all understand how incredibly difficult it is for a, a musician to create a career out of music, even a musician that has sight. How did you get started in music, and why did you choose that particular career? Well, um, I guess I got started in music. That was also a gradual process for me because um, I started uh, singing in church when I was about six, five, six years old. I enjoyed it because it was a lot of fun. But some of my friends would tease me, so I I decided that I wasn't going to do it anymore. And then I started studying piano at about 14, age 14, and started playing quite a bit. And then um, I was in school playing for the choir and they were going to do silent night and somehow the solo fell to me. So when I decided to do the solo, uh, the reaction was very different from when I was younger. And then I realized that, um, people would be more inclined to, um, want to know me and want to be my friend 
you know, you know, when mm-hmm. you're that age, I was about 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, that was the initial, um, event. That was the event that initially, you know, got me into saying, well, you know, me, music could be a good career, you know? And so I, that's, that's what I, that's how I got into to it. And I, so I began to play and sing on the island. And then I moved to to Florida to study music at the University of Miami and just kept going from there. When I got to Florida, um, I um, happened to um, run into someone that was pretty famous at the time that when I was there. And he asked me to to go out on the road with him as a backup singer. Um, I did not. But um, things just started happening from there. Um, and then I met people who introduced me to other people. You know, so that's, that's pretty much how, how, how the music business really happens. You have to, if people like what they hear, then they recommend you. It's, it's a very recommendation-based uh, kind of business. Through this whole period, where were you at? spiritually you've, you've, you mentioned singing in church as a young person you've obviously grown up in a Christian home um, this period of you know from young person singing on the island moving to Miami where was your walk with God during this period I wasn't walking with God during those years um, unfortunately you know because the, my reasons for pursuing music was vain um, I wanted, of course, to get attention for myself and to gain recognition for myself. And, you know, when you're walking with the Lord, it's it's different because it the focus is shifted from yourself to, to the Lord. So, you know, I, I, I was just doing my thing, having fun, hanging out, living um, a very... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? I guess uh, a reckless life to some degree. Um, I was just living for myself, really. Mm. Um, I didn't consider the Lord. Were you planning on, um, like, you know, when you're moving into this musical career, were you thinking of it as a gospel music career, or had you been interested in other genres? And were you, you know, doing something? I suppose a little less. Yeah, I was into. Yeah, I was doing other genres at that time. Um, I um, was studying jazz at the School of Music there, and um, so that's my my educational background is jazz. And, of course, I was doing other genres as well, you know, soul, R&B, that kind of thing, Um, uh, pop music. I was doing a lot of pop as well, and, you know, just um, not really... Gospel was definitely not my, um, not on my radar for sure. It was not a priority of mine. What changed? How did that change? Well, um, I met someone who, um, who uh, was going to the same college that I was, and. You know, she was a really nice lady. Uh, we were both students at the college, and um, somebody that I wanted to get to know for selfish reasons. Um, and then I found out that she was a Christian. 
and I found out that she was actually an Adventist Christian, and that was my background too. So I invited myself to church with her because I figured that perhaps that would be my entering wedge, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) And so we started going to church, and we went to church for quite some time. Um, But she was not very um, interested in me in the way that I was interested in her. Um, She was actually quite evangelistic because she led several of her friends to Christ. Um, uh, And so in the process, uh, I was also um, led to Christ. But again, everything for me seems to be gradual. So it took a while. This went on for years and years after I graduated from college. Uh, we still uh, would go to church together, and um, my conversion uh, began very gradually uh, around that time after I was given a Bible on CD, by um, you know, like an audio Bible, mm-hmm. and I began listening to it every morning and every evening, and my life just began to change. And how much different is it now being a singer for Jesus Christ than what it was before? Oh, very different. It's like night and day, you know? It's <laughs> it's like almost like the way it is on the other side of the world. Like we got, you know, over here in Australia, we're waking up. Back <laughs> in Florida where I live, they're going to sleep. It's like totally different. And uh, you've experienced both sides of this equation. Would you ever consider going back to the other side of the equation? Well, I mean, I wouldn't lie. We all have temptations. All of us feel the pull of the world. But I believe I understand the value of the gift that has been given to us in salvation uh, by Jesus Christ. So I think when you understand the value... You know, that's just, it's just not an option to turn back. That's not to say that you're not tempted, but the more we consider Christ, the more, the more we consider Christ, the more, uh, the less power, the less power temptation has over you. Yeah. You know, the more we behold Christ, you know, uh, Satan can't really get to you. So I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just simply saying that. Uh, when we think of his promises more, they become internalized. And when we internalize his promises, it's almost like, um, I guess it's almost like, like you're, like, like you're, you're being reprogrammed, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I hope that was. Um, hope that wasn't too long of an answer. <laughs> no, that's great, Neville. Thank you so much. We, uh, we're running out of time here, but uh, before we finish off, uh, I understand that you are performing this evening. Is that correct? Yes, I'm going to be at the Kimsey Church this evening. Kimsey Seventh Adventist Church, yes. Yes, and then tomorrow I'm flying down to Melbourne, and I am going to be at the Saden Church. I think that's the way you pronounce it on Sabbath morning and, af- and, and afternoon at 5.30, a sundown concert. And then uh, on Wednesday evening, I'll be at the Dandenong Church in Melbourne as well. Um, and then I'll be coming back to the Gold Coast, and I'll be at Reedy Creek on Friday night, and then at Ipswich on 
Saturday evening for a last concert before I head back to America. Fantastic, Neville. Thank you so much for joining us here. And uh, if you're in the Kempsey, Melbourne, Gold Coast or Ipswich areas, make sure that you get along. We're going to post up the details on our social media. Uh, make sure that you get on to uh, to hear Neville Peters right now. We do need to move on with our show. And so, Neville, uh, the song that we're playing next is your song, Where I Want to Be. You are listening to Faith FM. <laughs> One million years have now ended And there's still so much to see But I love your holy presence That's where I want to be That's where I want to be
Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Trust in your Father's love. Don't let doubt enter into your heart. Every breath that you breathe is a gift from Him. He is close to you and closer still. Do not bow your head down low, regretting and fretting, feeling dismayed. See through new eyes, the old self has died. Do not go back to your old chains Your life cost him dearly Even the life of his son That you might be redeemed You are forgiven and clean Arise and walk in the freedom he bought for you I was lost in sin, but you reached down and pulled me out to be lost in your great love. So rich and measureless, strong and boundless, never-ending love, never-ending love. 